Welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim, your host, and for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays that feature African Americans both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today we will discuss the 1964 classic film, Nothing But a Man. It is about an African-American rail worker who goes from town to town because of his work. He comes to a small Alabama town, meets a preacher's daughter, marries her and settles down. However, in living there, he struggles day to day, fighting for his dignity as a man. Nothing But a Man stars Ivan Dixon. Many of you old schoolers may know him from Hogan's Heroes, a 1960 television series where he played a black POW. He also starred as the handsome African student in Raisin in the Sun, the version that stars Sidney Poitier. It also stars Abby Lincoln, a jazz vocalist, a songwriter, and an actress. Her lyrics have been tied to the civil rights movement and activism. Today, joining us to discuss the film is a multiple television award-winning producer, an art curator, and a photographer, Crystal Whaley. Thank you for joining us, Crystal. Thank you for having me, Kim. <laughs> well, let's just get right into the film. Um, it was released in 1964, and I have to admit, I first saw it only a few years ago on the Aspire Network. Tell us when you first saw the film. So, um, I'm familiar with the film really through my parents. So this was shot in 63 and aired in 64. My parents were just getting out of high school. So this was a film that they loved and I had always heard about it. Um, this was a film where it's the first time that you see this loving relationship between a black man and a black woman on the big mm -hmm. screen, mm -hmm. the first time that you see intimacy. So mm -hmm. I didn't really see the film until my early 20s, but I was very familiar with the film before mm -hmm. then because I just knew it was a classic and Ivan Dixon was a family friend, so I was, mm. you know, really interested in seeing it. Oh, okay, okay. Now you say Ivan was a friend. Tell us about that and tell us a fond memory you've had of him. So uh, I'm originally from Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and um, while I was growing up there, it was not, you know, it was not a, a surprise to see different actors mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, folks who were just kind of around my family. And Ivan um, was also a director and a producer. Mm -hmm. He directed um, Spook That Sat By The Door and mm, also okay. Trouble Man. Okay. So he was a family friend, really a lovely, lovely man, loved kids and mm -hmm. just was just around. And he decided that he was going to take us to lunch one day in Santa Barbara. Mm, okay. So Santa Barbara and L.A., it's about a two-hour drive, but it really is kind of like a 30-minute, 25-minute ride in a plane. Oh, okay. So Ivan was actor, director, producer, but he also had a plane, so he was a, a little bit of a, you know, an oh, aviator. Okay. So he decides he's going to take us to lunch, and so we drive out to his plane. Um, he actually flew the plane? He flew the plane. Oh, so okay. it was me and my aunt and my cousin, and uh, he had us all in the plane. He had like a, a six or eight seater. It was mm -hmm. a small plane. And we were up in the air. He let us, you know, pilot the plane, drive the plane. So it was a big deal for us because we were kids. Oh, okay. Um, and it was an autopilot, right? Of course it was an <laughs> okay. autopilot because we were just reckless with it. <laughs> and he was just lovely. And so we got there to the, the place where we were going to go to eat lunch, mm -hmm. had a wonderful lunch, uh, you know, by the ocean. 
And then literally ate lunch and got back in the plane, mm -hmm. came back to L.A., mm -hmm. got in the car, mm -hmm. and proceeded to go home. Now, at that point, everybody had the itis. <laughs> so everybody's falling asleep at, you know, you know, in the car. And so mm -hmm. Ivan is in the POV lane mm -hmm. and going, he's all, he also was a speed de demon. So he's going, you know, who knows, just going crazy. <laughs> and so we're in this lane, and like I said, everybody's sleeping, and he's falling asleep. Oh, my goodness. And I'm behind him. I'm right directly behind, you know, the, uh, the driver's seat. So I'm hitting the driver's oh seat. Like, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> he's waking up, giggling. Ah, oh, I'm not sleeping. Resting my eyes for a minute. <laughs> so, you know, he and was that time. you then? About 10. Oh, my goodness. About 10, <laughs> about 10. But it was, I will never forget that because he was just lovely. You know, he didn't have to do that. And, yeah. you know, we were just... We were so excited to be in that plane, and we were impressed. He was taking us to lunch. We were in a plane. Like, it was a big deal. Oh, okay. And he was just a lovely person that way. Oh, okay. So, in the movie, um, Ivan comes to a church function, and he meets uh, Abby Lincoln's character, Josie, and she starts to date him, and her father, her stepmother, everybody's like, don't date him, because I guess he's viewed as this rail worker who goes mm -hmm. from town to town, probably has a woman in every port, but she decides to date him anyway. What do you think about that? Why do you think her character decided to just defy everybody and date him? Well, she's a preacher's daughter. So okay. she's a preacher's daughter. Um, you know, there are, you know, politics with that. She's also a school teacher. And he's someone fresh and new. Mm -hmm. And he's his own person. Mm -hmm. And he's independent. Mm -hmm. And he represents to her someone who's different, someone who has a drive, someone who has mm -hmm. a fire. Mm -hmm. And so I think that she was attracted to him in that way. Um, I think that she was also, you know, kind of playing with, you know, not being the typical preacher's daughter, having some type of excitement in her life. Mm -hmm. um, she kind of had resigned herself to be this school teacher in this town, in this p particular Take role. And it seemed like the men in that town were very passive, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, probably she had a fire deep inside of her that she just never let out. And right. so Ivan comes on, excuse me, Duff. Yes. <laughs> Duff, the character comes, and he's just, first of all, he's fine. Oh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, and he just has life. And so he, what he represents is just something bigger, something more mm -hmm. than what she's been exposed to in that small town. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, also, his character uh, courted her for a short period of time before he decided to marry her. What made you think that, you know, what do you think about him just making that decision so quickly and settling down with her? I think for that time period, that's what you did. You know, mm -hmm. you you went away, you went to school, you got a job, you came back, and you got married. Mm -hmm. um, and if you didn't go to school, you absolutely got married mm -hmm. at 17, 18 to get out of your, mm -hmm. you know, your parents' house. So that was the social norm. Um, I think for him, um, Josie represented something that he had been running from something that he actually wanted and didn't have in his own personal life. When you look at the film, you see the character. You see, you find out later that his mother passed when he was a young boy, mm -hmm. that his father was pretty much a rolling stone and not in his life. So she represented something that was safe, something that was sacred, something that he really kind of wanted deep down, but, you know, just wasn't able to really kind of voice that. And mm -hmm. so when she was open to him, um, he felt that it, it felt good, and mm -hmm. why not do it? Mm -hmm. And it seemed like she was open to him no matter what his flaws were. Right. Because, you know, right. everybody was saying, you know, be careful of him. Right. He'll embarrass us. But, you know, she didn't care. She was open to love this man, and maybe he saw that and was willing to take yeah, that risk. Yeah, yeah, and she represented home. So let's talk about the relationship he had with his father. I thought that was very interesting mm -hmm. because in the scene where he went to, to – 
see his father, he actually had to identify himself mm -hmm. to his father. Mm -hmm. So what parallels do you think that his relationship with his father that he played out in his own life? Um, I think that his father, the, 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 the parallels are that, you know, just moving and running. Mm -hmm. um, either it's running from, running away from something mm -hmm. um, or possibly running to something. Mm -hmm. um, he was, because he did not have that anchor of a mother and a father mm -hmm. um, in, in the traditional sense, whatever, you know, you want to say the traditional sense is, right. that father not being in the house and that father not being in his life, he was kind of, you know, you know, he was a copy in mm -hmm. the sense that he was searching and looking and, and, and moving around mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, um, and him having to identify himself to his father during that time, if your mm -hmm. father wasn't in the house, that's what you had to do. Right. Because, exactly. you know, people, you know, they had, you know, mm -hmm. they had extracurricular children all over the place yeah. as yeah. they still do. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> and he did too. It's interesting that he had but a four-year-old son yeah. mm -hmm. that it seemed like he barely knew too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. When he went to visit him, right. it was like, that's him back there. You know, he was sending money, right. but there was no relationship whatsoever. And that was like a full circle kind of um, moment for him mm -hmm. um, because he could not identify the boy. He did not, he was not sure of the paternity really, but mm -hmm. he was just, you know, um, going about what he had been told. Mm -hmm. So he had been doing the right thing in right. that sense. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, him discovering this boy and f kind of quelling um, a feeling of a longing yeah. to be his father. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, just a, a, a connection. Mm -hmm. He had it, but he didn't really want to feel it because he didn't know for sure. And he was, again, replicating what his father was. So let's talk about when he finally settles down in the town, um, he starts working at a wood mill. And it's very interesting, his relationship with the other blacks there. Mm -hmm. He tries to organize. They don't seem to be uh, interested. Um, the white men come in there and basically taunt him and say mm -hmm. any old kind of thing. And the other African-Americans just sit around and watch. You know, how did you feel about that? How did that make you feel? What did you think about that scene? Um, I think that is, you know, very reminiscent of the time, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just blatant, blatant, you know, racism and oppression and just hatred, you mm -hmm. know. Um, the, the, the blacks that were there, you know, they were in their lane. They mm -hmm. knew they didn't want to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. They wanted everything to kind of be the same because of the fear, you know, mm -hmm. because of the fear of lynching during that time and, right. you know, what have you. So he was a different type of man, mm -hmm. you know, which kind of brings it back to the title, Nothing But a Man. You mm -hmm. know, he was a different man in the sense that he was going to stand and resist. And, it, you know, it didn't really matter what the consequences would be because he was going to be human. He was mm -hmm. going to be a man. Mm -hmm. And you were not going to stand, you know, and just oppress him, you right, know, just, like that. you know, rate, you know, right. just kind of, you know, in his face like right. that. Because it, it made me kind of angry when, um, you know, he was trying to organize them. And this was when the white person wasn't in the room. Right. And somebody actually went back and snitched mm -hmm, on him, mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, come on. OK, you don't have to go with it. But why you have to snitch? Yeah, there's always got to be a snitch in there, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Always somebody who always is just, somebody. you know, scared with the tail between his legs. Yeah. And just, you know, can't get with the program. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he but, was heartbroken by that, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because he felt like he was trying to make life better for them. And, right. And to repay him, they snitched on him right. and just squashed the whole thing. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. So um, let's talk. They had mentioned in the movie about a lynching mm -hmm. that had happened like eight years prior. And you can tell that the African-Americans that lived there were traumatized by right. it. Mm -hmm. um, 
Why do you think Duff's character wasn't afraid? Even though he stood up for himself, there was a real possibility that he could get harmed or killed. Mm -hmm. But why do you think that didn't deter him from standing up to himself? I think because um, he was just, he was different in that way. Mm -hmm. um, because he had been moving around mm -hmm. and was only accountable to himself and, right. and only, and not committed to anybody mm -hmm. else, he really had the luxury, if you mm -hmm. want to call it the luxury, to stand up and be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Right, exactly. And so whatever comes my way, let it be. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm just not going, I'm a, I'm a fight. Right. So, right, right. you know, he was very sure in himself as, as retaining his humanity. Right. It's very interesting. It reminds me of a saying that my mom always says, before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave. Absolutely. And um, I always hear my mother say, who grew up in that time, mm -hmm. says, you know, I never thought I'd live to be an adult. But I think the spirit of a lot of African-Americans who were really standing up to people, they were willing to die. Absolutely. For, and they know. understood, you know, sometimes it, you know, it, you know, historically it might take a generation to die mm -hmm. in order for things to get better. In and order so for things to get better, exactly. For Duff's character, he was that type of man mm -hmm. that was willing to risk it. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about his, he had his boy in the gang uh, that was played by Yafet Koto. And I, you know, I had forgotten that he was in the movie, but mm -hmm. it's, it's good to see a young uh, Yafet Koto in there. But his character was not pleased at all that Duff was getting married. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that was? I think he was player hating. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he, I think he and, and, you know, the other guys were a little jealous because, you know, they were all um, part of that same crew who was moving around mm -hmm. from city to city. No one's committed. Mm -hmm. um, no one has an anchor anywhere. And really, you know, you know, secretly, you know, and deep down, they really did want to have some type of connection mm -hmm. to something, to some place, to mm -hmm. someone. And for Duff to be, you know, the main one, mm -hmm. you know, just doing the main his thing. Player, player. The main Because he was one. the most handsome one of the bunch. He was the finest one. Yeah. And was able to wrangle all, everybody. <laughs> for him to find somebody and for him to decide that that's what he wants to do was like a slap in the face to them. Because mm -hmm. they were like, oh, wait a minute, you, you, you changing up the game. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, mm -hmm. well. Because they probably got his leftovers. Oh, they got them. <laughs> they got them all the time. They got them that all party the time. was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think, you know. Um, for his care for the for the friend character, um, I think that he was just a little jealous yeah. and really wanted that from himself. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, there was a scene in the movie where uh, Duff and Josie went on their first date, and they were in a park. They had parked the car. They were talking, and these two white men came up to the car. Um, and they were going to start some trouble, but then mm -hmm. they recognized Josie as a preacher's daughter. So apparently the preacher had a good relationship right. with some of the leaders, the white leaders in the town, and they decided to back off. How did that make you feel? What do you think would happen if they didn't recognize her as a preacher's daughter? Oh, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. Everything would have happened. She would have been sexually assaulted or worse. He would have been beat up or worse. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, very blatant, very in your face. Um, of what that was at that time, you know, but we can, you know, we can equate it to what's happening now. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, not quite covert. Right. You know, it's getting to be mm -hmm. that blatant mm -hmm, mm -hmm. once again. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, because her father was a pillar, you know, in that society and they were trying not to have any issues with the blacks in the town, mm -hmm. you know, they, they knew they, that, that they were not the ones. Even with all the stuff going on in the town, Duff, when he gets married, he decides to stay in the town. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people made the suggestion that he move. Uh, one of the things that happened was when he was trying to organize at the Woodmill, he got fired. Mm -hmm. And he was blackballed from any decent paying job. And the only job he could get was like to go to pick cotton, which was minimum wage right, back then. Right, right, uh, But at the, the very end, he decided to stay with his family. Why do you think that is? 
I think he decided to stay because that was a place where they actually made their home. Mm -hmm. So when he and Josie first got together, um, and of course her parents and everybody was against him, they went to this space, this house, this little broke down house. They created everything in there. They made their furniture and made it all beautiful and made it made a home. And mm -hmm. so for him, he was like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to run. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to stand up and resist here in this space. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be with this woman who, you know, who, that I love, that I have a connection with. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be that man. Yeah. Um, in 1964 in that town, it's probably typical, the racial climate there. Mm -hmm. Can you draw parallels to what we're going through today in oh, terms of yeah, race? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was you know, very in your face and very blatant. Yes. And just, you know, just hatred. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're in the same space. And, um, you know, it's, it's the same type of volatile mm -hmm. kind of, you know, um, energy, volatile, you know, space in people, mm -hmm. uh, where people are. Um, and just, you know, the attack on humanity, you mm -hmm. know. So there is very much a parallel. And mm -hmm. there's very much a parallel of Duffs all over the place who are standing their ground and resisting. Like, okay, yes. we're mm -hmm. not doing this. We're not yeah, repeating yeah. history. Right. Because you know, we have more Duffs now than they had back then. We have all the Duffs. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Now, this is one thing that we liked about the movie, because we made a comment that the extras mm -hmm. in the movie seemed so real. They were yes. not actors. <laughs> Tell me what was the realest scene. Okay, so the realest scene is when Duff went to go look for his, his four-year-old boy. So mm -hmm. he's been sending money to the baby mama, mm -hmm. who has moved on to Detroit mm -hmm. and has left the boy with her cousin. Mm -hmm. And there's some place in public housing, something, you know, <laughs> wherever, in two-story little house. And so he goes to the neighborhood, but he, you know, he's, he's coming to pay the boy a visit. Mm -hmm. Just take a look at him, mm -hmm. at least, you know. And everybody on the porch looked like they were just from that. Like, basically, it looked like they just had put a camera in the project. Yep. And was like, okay, y'all, we got dinner for you. We got craft service. Just do what you just do. Just do what you do. <laughs> do what you do. Don't wear any stripes, you know, and just, <laughs> know, you know, know do what you do. So when he comes into the room, you know, to, you know, hey, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so. She's mm -hmm. like, oh, about time you get here. Mm -hmm. And she, she, meaning the cousin who's taking care of, of, of his son and all her kids. Yeah. Are, you know, that was very real. Yeah, they basically real. just came in somebody's apartment in their living room and say, okay. and moved over the curtain. Yeah, look at the boy. <laughs> yeah, the curtain for a door. Yes, yes, yes. So that was the realest because we were yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> that Let me was say, I thought one of the realest scenes for me was when they were in church. Oh, yes. And, yes. and yes. the people were getting the Holy Ghost. Now, yes. I used to live with my grandmother when I was younger. Yeah. My, my parents were in college, and she would take me to church like three times a week. Yes. And people would get the Holy Ghost. I remember when I was younger, I would be staring at her waiting for her to get it. But I was around it a lot. Right. And I know how they work themselves up, work the spirit in them, yes. they get the Holy Ghost. And when I saw that on the camera, I said, that is not faith. Right. And especially that preacher. When mm -hmm. he was preaching, he was really preaching. So he we, was really you know, preaching. So they just put that camera, camera in there and said, just do what you do. And, and they had a service. Yeah. I was waiting for the ladies with the white uh, dresses to come over <laughs> with the smelling salts. I was waiting for them to appear because it literally yes. was that. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely that. It was mm -hmm. that. It was real. Mm -hmm. So since it's so real, I was kind of uh, surprised to find out that a Michael Romare, who is not an African-American, actually wrote and directed the movie. Um, he is Jewish, and he wrote the movie based on him being a Jew in Nazi Germany. Mm hmm um, tell me what you think about that, all the relationship, you know, all the parallels. Historically, I think, you know, Jewish people and black folk, and that is black folks around the diaspora, really have a lot in common in terms mm -hmm. of, 
you know, systematic oppression and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, dealing with and, and experiencing, you know, uh, genocide, really. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. think there is a parallel there. And so they are, they meaning Jewish folk and folks who have been oppressed have um, a common language. Yeah. Now, the other thing that we liked about the movie was the soundtrack. Yes. And they had a Motown soundtrack. Yes. I had read somewhere that um, the writer and director went to Harvard with a lawyer who was actually representing Motown at the time. And he okay. negotiated this deal uh -huh. and paid Barry Gordy $5,000 to. Well, apparently, I did a little bit of research too. Apparently, Stevie, little Stevie Wonder at that point mm -hmm. was a musical supervisor on. Um, nothing but a man. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. so so that made sense, right? Yeah, so yeah. he was because um, if you if you once you see the the movie, mm -hmm. you'll have a you'll see a lot you'll hear a lot of Stevie mm -hmm. Wonder. Mm -hmm. You'll hear a lot of Motown, but you'll hear a lot of his mm -hmm. early first album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, as you guys can tell, Crystal and I really absolutely love this movie. So I'm going to ask Crystal for somebody. I know it's many people out there who have not seen the movie. What would you say to them to make them want to look it up and want to see it? Oh, uh, Nothing But a Man is a classic. It is the first time that you will see a, and really cinematically, it's the first time that you really see a loving relationship between a black man and a black woman that is not exploitive, mm -hmm. that is not over-sexualized, mm -hmm. that really is unique in a sense that it's ordinary, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. You know, so you see you see people that you know who are in love who are in this space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You see... Um, you know, a man coming into his own, a woman coming into her own. You see them being a married couple. You see mm -hmm. the tenderness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. It's really a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. um, and it needs to be seen. It needs to be seen on the, on the big screen, Yeah, too. definitely. I would love to see a theatrical yeah. release of it again. And it's really, you know, it's also a study of um, black masculinity mm -hmm. um, in kind of um, our families. Um, and, and, and really kind of a, a really beautiful fabric of how we are as a people. Mm -hmm. um, but really, you know, that, that love story mm -hmm. and that black man and that woman mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. jumps off the camera because you have not seen it right, before, right, right. before that time. Right. And it's just a beautiful thing to see. It's a gem. I know, it's beautiful. Because yeah. one of my uh, favorite scenes is when they ha have this embrace. And it's like, how many yes. seconds? Yeah, so that embrace is epic because he's coming back. He's coming back home. He's coming back to his woman. He's mm -hmm. coming back to his anchor. Mm -hmm. He has manifested in the sense that he is that man. He is, the title is nothing but the man, but he is the man at that the point. Man. Yes, he is. And he has grown into that person. Mm -hmm. And he's bringing his four-year-old son back, and they're preparing for their new family. And when they embrace, it's real. She's yeah, not acting. It's real. It's real. No, it's real. And, and the embrace is, it's almost two minutes. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. you know, because yeah. I'm like real looking myself. I'm like, ooh, okay. You know, it almost you know it brings tears to your eyes because uh -huh. it ends in that way, and it's and and, it, and that's it, and it's yeah. just and that kind of encapsulates everything that this film is right, about, right. Um, and it's just a beautiful moment. Yeah, because I love how it uh, shows intimacy without all the sexual. You know, I think that's uh, that's what I love about movies about that time, that you can really tell the story of intimacy between a man and a woman without, you know, throwing your clothes off right. and all this heavy right. sweating and stuff. Right. And to me, that's very beautiful. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And the first time seeing, you know, black folks mm -hmm, being intimate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and a healthy and relationship. And a healthy relationship. Even though they had arguments, because that's natural for yes. a relationship. Yes. But and it shows both sides. Yes. Absolutely, it does. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't get too crazy, but it does show 
a relationship, a very real relationship. Yes, very real. And it's not where the man is oppressing the woman or, or is dominant mm -hmm. over the woman or is sexualizing the woman. Mm -hmm. It is something that is, you know, is a it's a beautiful depiction of a man and a woman. Yeah, it is. Loving each other. Yes. Mm -hmm. So everybody, uh, we highly recommend that you see nothing but a man. It's a beautiful story between an African-American woman and a man, and a man fighting for his dignity and standing up for his rights regardless of the consequences. So that's our time for today. Until next time, consider yourself black lit. Thank you.